and welcome to Como Explained. It's a podcast from the KBIA Newsroom. We take the thorny issues and politics that affect our community and we break them down. I'm Scott Pham, the Digital Content Director here at KBIA. Hosting with me, as always, is Ryan Famuliner, Assistant News Director at KBIA. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Scott. And we've also got on the line uh, Chris McDaniel, former KBIA reporter, current St. Louis Public Radio reporter. How you doing, Chris? A proud alumni of, of KBIA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's great to, great to have you uh, over the over the phone, at least. But uh, no, yeah, Chris has been absolutely killing it in St. Louis, and we're happy to have him help us out with this show today. And if it if we, if I do this right, it's going to sound like Chris is here in the room. But I just say for transparency, he's not. You are in St. Louis in your cozy studios over there, right? Yes. Uh, remembering fondly, though, the studio that that you guys are recording in. So, what are we talking about today, Chris? Why don't you introduce it? So, I think. We're going to talk a little bit about the execution process, looking at it from a few different ways, looking at it from as a whole, and then taking it and looking at it through Missouri, because Missouri is planning on going through with a couple of executions, one next Wednesday on November the 20th, and then one on December the 11th. Right. And the thing that's been really controversial about this is the use of a drug you might have heard before, the listeners, uh, propofol. And we're going to explain what that is, why it's in the news right now, and um, why Missouri has got itself in such a big mess, and what the hell Larry Flint is doing in St. Louis. <laughs> and that's why we've got Chris on, on with us today. He's been all over this story, and more than almost anyone else in the state, really. Um, and so we'll have him. But first, we were going to break down a few background things um, on uh, executions and lethal injections in Missouri. Okay, so first off, lethal injections have been used in the state um, since 1989, almost exclusively or exclusively throughout that process. We were using what's known as a three-drug cocktail for our executions. Okay, some call that the Chapman Protocol. That's what we used in Missouri. It's the only e- execution method we've used in uh, lethal injection so far. Yeah, so. I really don't like that it's called a three-drug cocktail, as if you've got like a bartender there mixing your. <laughs> Your last drink or something. It gives yeah. cocktails I mean, a bad name. Yeah, it really <laughs> does give cocktails a bad name. And I mean, and not to give bartenders a bad name, but I don't really want them messing with my IVs. You know? <laughs> but that is how it starts, right? Is that first, it's kind of like a regular IV. They uh, give you saline solution, saline solution to widen the veins, and then they shoot up an anesthetic in there. And uh, the one that was used in Missouri and in most places in the U.S. that do practice the death penalty was sodium pentothal, okay? And this is the thing that will uh, actually put the person unconscious, okay? That's the first right. step in and this they process. they follow it up with a 2-1-2 punch <laughs> with uh, there's something to, uh, to paralyze your body and arrest your breathing. And then there's something that will actually uh, cause cardiac arrest, right. cause your heart to stop working. For, for the scientists out there, uh, the drugs we used were pancronium bromide was pabulon. That's the one that stopped uh, your respiratory system. And then potassium chloride led to your heart stopping. Right. So this, this dude Chapman invented this, I think, in Oklahoma in 1977. It became the main used cocktail in virtually all of the 32 or so states right. that allow lethal injection, that allow execution. Yeah. I'm sure Chapman is proud of that, that contribution. Yeah. Department of Corrections has used it on 68 people in Missouri uh, since 1989. Yeah. Um, but then in recent years, very recent years, there's some problems that came up with this mixture, yeah? 
Yeah, that's right. Um, really, the question was, is this working all the time? It really hasn't worked 100% of the time. In Ohio, there was this guy, Rommel Broom, that the execution actually failed. Um, and so Ohio decided to make this switch and start using one drug instead of using this three-drug cocktail. Just say, we're just going to do it with one thing, get it done. Yeah, because- and I mentioned this before the show, but like, does, does that really seem like the response? <laughs> when when like all three are not working well, you're going to take out the two and just use the – you think you would add a fourth, and then that would be better. Right, because but- the, like, the whole step was meant to make it as – as easy and smooth as it could go, where now it's like, you know what, forget it. Let's just do it all at once and make sure it gets done. Yeah, one-third of the killing this. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I'm no doctor, but... <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it's more efficient, um, if you want to get to that. But yeah. but Ohio was the first state to actually, in, uh, let's see, I got my timeline here. In 2009, it was the first state to actually switch to a one-drug method. Um, very all, recent. All other states have been using this three-drug cocktail because it seemed to work. Um, but they failed one and said, you know what, we're not doing that again because that's really, really messy for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, and so then all the other states started looking at this as an option. And not the, all the other states, but many states started looking at this as an option as well uh, because there are a couple of other things making this three-drug cocktail difficult. Um, one of them is very big, and that is that one of the drugs, uh, sodium pentothal, is actually, the access to it is basically gone. That's the anesthetic. That's the, the first of the, the three-punch system, right? Right. And that's because in 2010, uh, Hospira Pharmaceuticals, the company that made that drug— Hospira. Oh, thank you. Thank you, person who's actually been covering this. Hospira <laughs> Pharmaceuticals um, said that manufacturing problems had hindered the production of that drug, and then they actually just did not resume producing the drug. And so basically this drug that was really key to everyone's three-drug three drug protocol, that's the legal name, if you don't call it cocktail, a three-drug protocol yeah. for execution, um, one of these key drugs is no longer available. So there's a shortage, and all the states are trying to figure out what they're going to do. And, of course, this is a time when people who are opposed to the death penalty and people on death row can say, well, if you're not going to do that, we need to do something – that you can prove is humane and lives up to the um, the Eighth Amendment, no cruel and unusual punishment standards, right? Yeah, poor Chapman. Yeah, yeah, Chapman's just completely <laughs> obviously the the loser in this whole yeah, story. Yeah, sour right. name for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so Missouri is in a weird situation, right? Because we have switched to a single drug system, just like everybody else, uh, just like a lot of people, but we haven't used it yet. And that is where we have got ourselves into controversy. Right. And that's where propofol. We ready to go to propofol? I think yeah. that's, where, that's where propofol that's where entered propofol the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and so, Chris, yeah, how, how did propofol enter the conversation, I guess? We've kind of talked about it here, but wh- how did that go? So propofol, let me tell you a little bit about the drug first. Propofol is just a really common medical anesthetic Hospitals all across the country use it. If you were going into the hospital and you're going down for a colonoscopy or open-heart surgery... Just a normal Wednesday. Yeah, like a normal Wednesday, both of them at the same time. Uh, you're probably going to have propofol used on you. Um, it puts you to sleep very quickly, and it's a pretty safe drug, and there are a few side effects. So that's why hospitals like using it. Missouri was planning on going through with it, though. And the problem with that is... A problem that isn't exclusive to propofol, it's, it's for a lot of these drugs, they're made in the European Union, and the European Union is obviously very against the death penalty. They don't want any of the drugs coming out of Europe to be used by departments of correction to kill, to kill someone. So 
there were some serious questions about if Missouri had gone through with propofol, what would hospitals do if the EU had come back and said, well, as a result of this, we're going to implement some more serious sanctions? Right. So, so hospitals aren't going to have maybe the propofol they need for these regular procedures that are very important, of course, because it's possible that someone had provided propofol to the state to be used for an execution. And the EU says that that can't happen. Yeah. It's, it sounds like if you have propofol and you are a state correctional facility, there's no good reason for that to happen. Right. <laughs> right. It's just right. like there's no explanation. So with Missouri planning on going ahead with propofol, we were the only state that was planning on using propofol, um, it really begged the question of, well, how the heck did Missouri get a hold of propofol at all? Because no manufacturer wants their propofol to be sold to departments of correction. How did Missouri get it? Um, Which kind of leads us into this whole mess that we're in right now. That's the fun part of your story. Yeah. Well, here's the other fun part. If you've heard of propofol before, again, this is the drug that killed Michael Jackson, okay? So that this is actually a word you probably have heard before. Yeah, let's stop using the word fun, actually. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Go Sorry. ahead. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, That's my fault. But yeah, so Chris, uh, I digress. Yes. So within the last couple of years, there were really two suppliers that Missouri obtained its propofol from. One was a supplier um, in Louisiana, and they said that they accidentally sent – their uh, supply of propofol to the Department of Corrections. They were supposed to block out all state departments of corrections. They said that they missed one. Um, As soon as they realized their mistake, they sent some really frantic emails where they were practically begging the state of Missouri to send them their propofol back. The reason that they were so worried about it was because the manufacturer in Germany, they wouldn't sell them drugs anymore if, if... they had been the one who had given Missouri the propofol that would have been used in an execution. So this was this was something where they could have really faced some hard times as a result of this. Yeah, you you read those emails and you published them, and they were uh, pretty candid. They were <laughs> I felt really bad for them. They like used the word please several times in a <laughs> row. Right? Yeah, here's here's one of the emails from um, last November. It says, quote, please, please, please help, helping in all caps, the system failure, a mistake, one carton of 20 vials is going to affect, to affect thousands of Americans. So some people have commented on some of the stories that we've done or on Facebook that, you know, this company wasn't it, – that it wasn't an accident that the, this company sold it to them. Mm. I don't know if I buy that argument very much because you're talking about – a couple thousand dollars to sell it to a Department of Correction, but you're risking, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars from losses because this company will not do business with you anymore. So I don't really buy that argument. So that was one of the suppliers. Yeah, the, for, the, the other supplier, it seemed like it was pretty clearly not an accident. Yeah, let's talk about that it, guy. Yes. So for for the one where it was an accident, the state of Missouri just did not respond to these people for about 11 months. They just didn't return their emails. Um, They would keep responding saying, hey, um, can I call you at this time? Can I call you at this time? How about you return my email? Department of Corrections did not for about 11 months, and then they announced that they were going to send it back. The reason or one of the reasons that Missouri could afford to send it back was because they found another supplier during that interim period. And this other supplier, there is no question whatsoever 
that there was that this was not an accident. This was this was a supplier who was very aggressively marketing propofol for them. In emails, um, this this Northwestern company would would send emails to the Department of Corrections and say, "Hey, we specialize in in getting drugs that are hard to find. Um, here's a list of drugs that you might be interested in. Bam, propofol. Here's the price. Let me know if you want to buy it." Um, They also, a few weeks before Missouri ended up buying the propofol, the drug distributor sent them an email with an attachment from Hospira, which is the American drug manufacturer for propofol. And the attachment was, no drug distributor is allowed to sell to state departments of corrections. So this company was well aware that Hospiro did not want them to do this. The Department of Corrections was well aware that they weren't supposed to be doing this. And then a few weeks later, that's when the Department of Corrections bought uh, a large supply of propofol. And you guys reported this. Um, You were able to get a hold of these documents because they're a public record when an email is sent to a public official at the Department of Corrections. That document is legally a public document. Yes, they uh, they are public records. Whenever you're in contact with uh, the government, we can take a look at them. Um, we tried to contact this company for comment. Um, they they were not too keen on commenting for this story, but after we published, they were also not very happy that we had published their emails. So they had hmm. tried to get us to take them down. Um, of course, we did not, and our and our story is still up. But that's how Missouri got do off. this. They say they don't want to talk to you. And then they're like, you didn't tell my side of the story. <laughs> like, I, that's I, what I, the ex- talking is for. I explicitly tried to. I had to FOIA to get your side of the story. Yeah. Well, this one, they weren't like, you didn't tell our side of the story. We just want, don't want our side of the story to be anywhere involved with this issue. Well, that's not very reasonable. Yeah, too bad. Not, yeah, not very reasonable when they you know, sent dozens of emails to the Department of Corrections that was very aggressively marketing this drug that the Department of Corrections wasn't supposed to have. Right. So if you've heard of propofol, this is one reason why you've heard about it, because just having it is really sketchy, and the way we got it is probably not the most above-board way. The other reason why you've heard about it is because if you didn't report on this and the ACLU didn't get those documents and all these other things, we probably would have used it by now on somebody, Right. Well, it's it's tough to say. I don't want to pat ourselves too much on the back. I'm, because, I'm patting you. Yeah, Scott will do it. <laughs> I'll do it. So, so, I mean, there are really two big factors that could have led the state to make the decision that they did that propofol wasn't the right choice. One of which is that they obtained it from a distributor who wasn't authorized to sell it, which looks mm-hmm. really bad for the state if they had gone through with it. But the other is that the European Union – was very likely to come up with some sort of of sanctions that would have really harmed hospitals throughout the United States. And it would be all that would have been that would have been very unpopular. Everybody would have been looking to Missouri as the reason for why the European Union was doing this. It would have been pretty bad. Yeah. What the hell, guys? What's your problem, Missouri? Why can't you do what everybody else is doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so it seems like the only time we're in national news is, is for bad things. Yeah. yeah that's a whole other show. Good job, Missouri. Yeah, we should do a show on that. Well, um, okay. So there was a guy who was uh, scheduled to be executed in October named Nicholson. That has been stayed, right? So, yeah. Uh, Nixon, about a month ago, a little over a month ago, Nixon says, we're not going to go through with using propofol um, to execute this guy. 
He told the Department of Corrections that they needed to come up with a new drug to do it. As a result of that, since they didn't have an execution protocol, they didn't have a way to kill the guy, they had to postpone. They had to issue a stay of execution. Um, since they issued that stay of execution, they've rescheduled that guy for December the 11th. So you got but a couple extra that, months out of the deal. Exactly. So, But before that, there's still an execution that takes place on November the 20th. Okay. So what's the new new protocol? What's the new cocktail that correctional bartenders have cooked up? Well, you know, that's a good question. So uh, about a week and a half after Nixon told them that they, that they had to come up with a new drug, um, the Department of Corrections issued a press release that we had come up with a new drug. It's called pentobarbital. Um, it's another sedative type drug. Um, veterinarians use it uh, to euthanize animals. Um, the big one of the big differences about this, though, is that we aren't getting this from a drug manufacturer because once again, these drug manufacturers do not want their products to be used by departments of correction for this. Yeah. So we're, yeah, nobody would. We're, I don't think it. It would be very unpopular yeah. for a drug manufacturer to do this. So. How Missouri is getting a hold of it is by turning to something called a compounding pharmacy. A compounding pharmacy is normally used for very, very specific circumstances. Um, the example we've used in our stories is that you have a kid in a hospital, you really need to take this medication, but you know he's a six or seven year old kid and he can't swallow pills yet. So a compounding pharmacist would take that medicine and make it into a liquid form. So they're not. So they're not real pharmacists, and they're the not way cooking stuff. The, cooking stuff up. They're just yeah, helping get drugs into new forms. Right, most of the time. They are drug bartenders. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> right. They weren't designed to be drug manufacturers um, because they aren't regulated by the FDA, which is one of the criticisms of of compounding pharmacies. Drug yeah. manufacturers are, of course, regulated by the FDA. The compounding pharmacies are just regulated by individual states. Um, as a result of that, there have been some pretty serious questions about the quality of drugs that are made by compounding pharmacies. The Missouri Board of Pharmacy is the organization within Missouri that regulates compounding pharmacies. Throughout their inspections, for the past 10 years, they found that about one out of every five drugs made by a compounding pharmacy failed to meet their standards. Wow. That's not Which very is, good. That's 20%. Yeah. Yes. It's a very a bad amount. probability. Yeah. That's a very bad probability, which gets to, let's say, the drug that we're using, the pentobarbital that we're using to execute a person next week. Let's say that that is one of the one in five drugs. If yeah. that were to occur... It wouldn't be strong enough to kill him. If it's not as potent as it's supposed to be, it might not kill him at all. It might make it a very slow and painful process. And what um, happens if he survives it entirely? So that's an excellent question, um, and it's kind of up in the air. So according to the protocol, they're supposed to administer one syringe of pentobarbital, and then they're supposed to wait. And if that drug is one of those one out of five drugs and it isn't strong enough, they'll wait, um, which his legal team would say that that's obviously cruel and unusual punishment. That's pain and suffering. Right. He's just, yeah. Yeah. You're not, the, this is the an, protocol, not a guinea pig. You should know what's going to happen when you're doing this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, the protocol doesn't set a uh, specific amount of time, but 
after a after a quote sufficient amount of time for death to occur, if he hasn't died yet, then they administer another syringe. Um, the big worry or the worst case scenario would be that he still doesn't die, but he would be brain dead. Um, in which case, the state of Missouri cannot execute him because he's not mentally capable. Uh, he, he's not. He doesn't have. He's control of his mental capabilities. Yeah, he's not a threat anymore. Today, society, wouldn't have the, right? the right to to kill him. Yeah, so that, that would be the worst case scenario. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be lawsuits aplenty. Here's here's my whole so, thing about this about this compounding pharmacy thing. To me, this it, forgive this terrible analogy, but it really is like the reason that meth is a good is a big drug in the states. It's like <laughs> I can't get access to these other drugs that are illegal, but I can buy all these things legally and yeah. turn them into a drug. That's kind of what this compounding pharmacy solution well, it is. Kind is. of a good analogy, isn't it? Though, because yeah. basically what they're saying is we can get all these drugs from people that aren't the lethal drugs, so they aren't in trouble. But then we can just use this compounding pharmacy, this shady meth maker Walter White, to put things together. <laughs> And all of a sudden, we're going to have the drug that we need, right? Yeah, it's like heroin is a is a big pain, so let's just mix this stuff right. together and microwave it. And I, and I should say too, to be fair, this isn't Missouri is not the only state to do this either. Uh, uh, there's some research that compounding pharmacies actually six states have already used compounding pharmacies to obtain drugs for lethal injection. South Dakota is the only one that's actually carried out executions uh, from drugs taken from a compounding pharmacy. Other states, including three other states, including us, are ones that are saying they're going to do this now. So we're looking at nine states that actually are looking at compounding pharmacies as a, as a solution to this problem. And also throw out there, too, that pentobarbital is also – propofol was kind of something we just came up with out of nowhere. Uh, pentobarbital is something that is used in many other states. Thirteen states have actually used that in their executions. Uh, six others, including us, are now considering using that. So this is kind of – this isn't right. just our story right now. This is what many states are looking at to solve this problem that isn't just a unique Missouri problem. The, the propofol thing was in many ways a unique Missouri problem. <laughs> oh, it's not our fault, you guys. <laughs> but uh, pentobarbital and combating pharmacies are a conversation happening everywhere. Right. And this is a problem that a lot of states are grappling with where they haven't – they aren't making the decision that they don't want to execute people anymore – but these private companies are sort of trying to make that decision for them and saying, we don't want you to use our product. So the state is coming back and saying, well, how are we supposed to carry out these executions now? Yeah. And then the Hasperas of the world are like, not my problem. You only <laughs> buy one thing from us like every three years. We're like the exactly. worst customers, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and I don't want to disparage compounding pharmacies too much because, you know, they do serve a really important purpose for, you know, that kid in the hospital, he needs a compounding pharmacy or else he's not going to get the medication that he needs. Mm -hmm. The problem with Missouri using it is this is obviously well outside of the purview of what a normal compounding pharmacy would or was designed to do. Well, and I, inter um, I interrupted your thought on the on the uh, quality of the stuff that comes out of these compounding pharmacies, but that's really kind of a concern too, right, is that it's not really clear Legally, if it's okay for compounding pharmacies, because the the uh, you know FDA isn't involved, I mean that's a concern too, right? Yeah, the, I mean there are a couple of questions about carrying out executions. One is that there is an anesthesiologist who is going to be working to carry out the execution. If an anesthesiologist is there carrying out the execution, that's a violation of his code of ethics, his or her code of ethics that they took to do no harm. Right. Um, so the the ACLU and other groups that are representing uh, the people set to be executed are saying, you know, 
how you, you need to name the person who's doing this because they need to be thrown out of the Missouri Board of Anesthesiologists. That's one issue. The other issue is that is this legal or ethical for a pharmacy to make this drug? That's kind of up in the air. We've talked to um, a pharmacy expert who didn't really know the answer. Um, it's according to the guidelines um, by Missouri, it's supposed to uh, a pharmacy is supposed to only issue a drug if it's quote for a legitimate medical use, if the patient desires treatment and if the patient has a need. And in this case, those things, of course, aren't there. Mm-hmm. So it, it's unclear if that makes it illegal or just immoral. We've reached out to the Missouri Board of Pharmacy to get their take on it, and they responded that lethal injection just wasn't referenced in state statute. So they essentially a, a no comment on whether or not it's legal. And the other thing that's making this really, really hard is we don't know who these pharmacists or compounders are, right? Right. So after our original story um, aired locally and nationally, the Department of Corrections came back with a new execution protocol where they named a new drug, but they also made a a just as important change, at least from my perspective, which is that it's now illegal to name the people who are supplying the state with its execution drugs. Right, because that anonymity has already been granted to the members of the execution team. That was something that's existed for years now and also been something that, again, the ACLU and others have called into question. But now this, like, middleman is part of the equation, right? Right. So uh, just like you said, it used to be just the people actually carrying out the execution. So like the anesthesiologist that I referenced, he would be a member of the execution team um, since 2007. But within the past month, they changed the definition of the execution team to mean anyone who's involved with compounding, preparing, or supplying these chemicals. So it's impossible for us to find out which compounding pharmacy is making these drugs for Missouri. So it's impossible for us to verify if this compounding pharmacy has had issues in the past, if they've been cited for shoddy practices, um, if, if they are a legitimate company. So we have no choice now but to trust the state, right? Exactly. That, that, that would be the state's response, which is, uh, you know, um, of course you can trust us on this. We're, we're getting the drugs in a legitimate way, but they do not have a, a great track record on this. Well, I was going to say, I mean, we just talked about how they got it from some pretty shady guy who they were not supposed to have, the propofol fell uh, off a truck. from someone they were not supposed to have, or the other stuff fell off a truck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was already some pretty uh, questionable things happening. So, uh, you know, if you're on that side of the, of the issue here, you know, there's definitely a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about Larry Flint, too, because <laughs> he's one of the—this is, this is actually Jermaine. He, he actually has called into question the secrecy rules, he's teamed up with the ACLU, and has filed suit. That's right. So um, Joseph Paul Franklin is the guy who's set to be executed on November the 20th. Um, He's confessed to many murders. Um, The one that he is being put to death for is for killing someone outside of a synagogue in St. Louis. But one of the things that he's confessed to is shooting Larry Flint um, for the reason why Larry Flint can't walk. Um, Larry Flint has, has said that, you know, he hates this guy, but he doesn't want the 
he doesn't want that as a reason for the state of Missouri to go through with an execution because he doesn't believe in in the death penalty. Um, so he's joined up with the ACLU of Missouri with their lawsuit saying that the state is violating the First Amendment by taking these what used to be open records and closing them. Right. And they're specifically pointing, too, to that anesthesiologist, right, in Franklin's case, because the anesthesiologist had to testify uh, in order for the state to use the death penalty because that would, again, the Eighth Amendment, uh, you know, uh, prevents cruel and unusual punishment. The anesthesiologist had to say, no, I'm there and it's cool. Uh, that's not cruel or unusual. Yeah. And so that's yes. one of the big things is that, again, and then, again, it gets into that rabbit hole we were talking about earlier of is that anesthesiologist credible? It, their, their lawsuit is for two things. One is for the anesthesiologist and other is the actual person or company who's supplying these drugs, supplying pentobarbital. Yeah. Um, and we should say, too, that e- even, even if uh, courts are sympathetic to uh, this argument, um, uh, Larry Flint doesn't have the only horse in that race, right? The, this guy, Franklin, had killed, uh, as you said, many, many people, and his specific crime that he's being executed for is not for shooting mm-hmm. Larry Flint. It's for killing somebody else. Right. right. Exactly. And And there are, you know, this isn't the only appeal – that's being made on behalf of of the people who are said to be executed. There's the ACLU one. There's one with Joseph Paul Franklin's actual lawyers. And then there's one um, sort of consortium of Missouri death row inmates who are all signing on to this appeal, this broader appeal um, against Missouri's lethal injection methods. I got to say it bummed me out when I read that Larry Flint story because it was, you know, we were talking about how Missouri is only in the news for the worst things. And it's just like, you know, this is like a national story. You got Larry Flint here in St. Louis. Why does that need to happen? You got execution. You got like government secrecy. Nothing. You got good. a serial killer. Yeah, serial yeah. killer. There's no good part about that story. Yeah. 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 More yeah. again. It's been a bummer. Put that one in the column for the "Hey, Quit Hating on Missouri" show, <laughs> which we do need to do at some point. Yeah. Um, although we keep doing shows that hate on Missouri. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I guess, Chris, I mean, what, what can happen now? I mean, again, we're talking about an execution that from the taping of this show is just less than a week away now um, that will probably happen using this new protocol. Um, is there anything that we can see that will stop that? Or, or what, what, what else is the way forward here? I, as I mentioned before, there are a few appeals um, that have been made on behalf of these inmates. Um, so far, they've been denied. It's possible that the Missouri Supreme Court would come back and issue a stay of execution um, in favor of of these inmates. Um, but time is definitely running out. Um, you know, there's only a few more days here between now and November the 20th. Um, and, and so far, there's been no sign that the Missouri Supreme Court will issue a stay of execution. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's talk about the future a little bit. Um, the What happens to all that propofol? Is, is it gone? Are we done with that? We kicked it? I wish I knew. Um, the, the governor has said that he's told the Department of Corrections to send it back to Hospira, which is the manufacturer. Um, we only have documents that go up until probably a couple months ago. So we don't really know if the Department of Corrections has followed through and actually sent it back. Um, And all of our sunshine requests for these open records have been denied um, or they've withheld documents. 
because of this new statute, because of this new rule that says um, they don't have to name members of the execution team. So it's really impossible for us to verify if they've actually sent it back. But propofol doesn't really serve any practical purpose for the Department of Corrections anymore because their protocol doesn't allow propofol to be used. It's all pentobarbital now. Yeah. Um, Ryan, you had a futury thing you wanted to say. Yeah. Well, uh, and Chris, you were helping me out on this because you're, again, have been all over the story. But some people are yeah. actually talking about taking a step back and saying, you know what? These lethal injection stuff, there's just too many things people are going to try to challenge. Why don't we just do it old school? Exactly. They said, you know, we can't get a hold of these drugs or it's so hard to get a hold of these drugs. Let's go back even further and let's go to the gas chamber. That's something that Attorney General Chris Coster, a Democrat, and uh, State Senator Kurt Schaefer, a Republican from out in your area, have both called for. Um, Yeah, it it doesn't sit well with the public though, right? (laughs) It's just nobody likes the sound of that. But here's the thing. It's not actually – as crazy as it sounds, it's it, ac- sounds it actually crazy. it actually would be a legal maneuver that may ha- could happen from my understanding and my reading of the law. Because here's how it works: first, ga- gas chamber was used here. Many people probably know that it was used here from 1938 to 1965. Yeah, yeah, yeah they still have the old one at the uh, yeah. the old the old prison in Jefferson, Jefferson City, City, right? Yeah. And that's the one that where they were using it. They executed 39 people in the gas chamber in Missouri uh, during that time frame between 1965 and that 1989 time frame. There was a lot. There were some some pre court challenges that actually made capital punishment been illegal for a while. Then it was legal in the mid-70s. Missouri didn't start doing it until the 80s again. Uh, But in 1988, the state actually said that uh, the method of execution could be through gas or lethal injection. Either one could work. That's right. We only have two ways that we can really do this, either gas chamber or lethal injection. The problem with the gas chamber is, although it's allowed by statute, Missouri doesn't currently have a gas chamber that they can use if they wanted to. Um, so they would actually have to build a gas chamber if they wanted to do this. We've asked Governor Nixon about this, and he pretty much just dismissed it wholeheartedly. He says, we don't have a gas chamber. We're not going to make one. I would be pretty surprised if we actually went back to the gas chamber. Missouri is a very conservative state, but I don't know even how well that would sit with a lot of people. It would be a pretty bold move, that's for sure. Um, but again, yeah. it, 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 but basically, up for up and since the '80s, since we've been doing executions again in Missouri, we've just chosen to use lethal injection. So again, it is possible for us to say we're going to choose the other way. Um, but yeah, that that if that happens, we'll be doing a lot more uh, Como Explained shows on it. I'm guessing. Oh gosh. Then there'll be a lot to talk about. Yeah, it, it would be a whole ordeal. The legislature would have to allocate money for it. The governor would have to sign the budget that approved building a gas chamber, and then the <laughs> Department of Corrections would have to build it. I think that that would be too much publicity for them uh, to be able to go through with it. I, I think that there's been a certain level of publicity over the measures that they've taken now, but if they were actually building a gas chamber, that would be on a whole nev- a whole nother level. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to mention was that Chapman, remember that guy we mentioned at the top of the show, who invented that three-drug cocktail that was used for so long? Um, I read that in 2007, he had told CNN that um, he thinks we should bring back the guillotine. Because at this time, people were stopping using his protocol. There were all these challenges to some of the drugs. And that's continued to happen. And he says that it's basically instant. It works 100% of the time. (laughs) And you don't have to have a doctor do it. So, like, solve whoa, some whoa, immediate whoa. problems. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm going to go back here to, 
to my middle school history lessons, I don't think it worked 100 percent of the time. I think that they that they would have issues where it wouldn't go all the way through the neck. Yeah, I've would, heard of and that. It would stop there, and then they had to raise it back up and drop it back down again. Right, but now we can use like you know super sharp blades. I think technology has improved or... since the French Revolution, probably. <laughs> You'd, you'd have to have a backup. <laughs> a backup? I don't want to even speculate on what that okay. backup is. I need to be. stop thinking about this. Yeah. Actually. I'll just throw that out All there. right. Well, if we're throwing out uh, fun facts, again, I'm going to just talk about fun throughout oh, here. Boy. No, uh, there, we, Missouri actually has executed one woman. Uh, it was a woman named Bonnie Brown Heady in 1953. There's a very uh, widely written about kidnapping case called the Green Lease Kidnapping. Uh, not enough time to talk about it here, but I'd look it up. I'd say we'll maybe put a link on our website to it as well. Um, but actually, there were um, – most of the executions, of course, have been for murder in the state. But uh, in that early – and now that's all you can be executed for and some other extenuating circumstances. But in, in the 1938 to 1965 time frame, it was a little more wide open. You can be executed for some other stuff too. So we actually had six people executed for rape. And then two people executed for kidnapping. Now, it's very likely that they also killed uh, the six-year-old that they kidnapped. And Bonnie is one of these two that did that. And she was actually, another interesting fact, she was one of two times that we've had double executions. Where in the gas chambers, they'd, have, they'd kill two people at the same time. Just to save chamber. money? Just, I, yeah. Well, her, in her, that situation, it was her and someone else. And it was kind of like their solution to a strange situation with the federal government where the, it was like there were federal charges and state charges. Uh, and they wanted to make sure they did it correctly. So like, look, let's just put them in there. Um, and then the other one was actually the first execution, maybe that in 1938. And maybe that, I don't know. They didn't say why that happened. It, they were two separate charges, but. Anyway, so it's been much more obscure than it sounds right now in the past, that's for sure. Man, well, I hope we don't have to talk about this again. I hope we don't have to have another execution show. These, this stuff bums me out, actually. <laughs> um, Chris, you've done some great work on this. I hope you don't have to do too much more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to do my next story about sunshine and rainbows uh, and about how awesome Missouri is uh, oh, great. As, a, <laughs> as a palate cleanser, I'm sure. We'll call you up for that. Um, yeah. Do, do you think we explained it, Chris? Do you, do you feel explanatory? I think it's been Como explained. Okay, there great. There it is. Verbed. All right, well, that's going to do it for the show. Um, our guest co-host was Chris McDaniel, reporter for St. Louis Public Radio. I am Scott Pham. My other co-host is Ryan from Uliner. Um, give us a listen each and every week. Find us on KBIA.org or even better, the iTunes Store. Just search for Como Explain, then hit the subscribe button and get a shiny new podcast automatically each week. If you've got a comment or a show idea, we love them both. Email us at news at kbia.org. Tweet us at kbia. Thanks for listening. Bye.